Dear listeners, welcome to the sixth episode of EDSO Policy Podcast. I am Jenny Varfi, Policy and Legal Director at EDSO, and today I will be joined by Mark McGranagan, Fellow at Electric Power Research Institute, EPRI, and Sarah Mullen Trento, Senior Technical Leader at EPRI. Sarah and Mark, a very warm welcome to you both. Thanks, we're delighted to be here. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, so great to have you here. And by the way, in Brussels, it's 28 degrees today, and we are speaking about resilience. Could not be better, I would say. Climate change and all this. Now, before setting the scene of this podcast, I would like to share a curious fact as I was going through and diving through every website. It just turned out that creation of EPRI was triggered by a blackout in 1965 that left 30 million people in the United States without electricity. So I guess you are best placed to talk about resilience and to share insights with us today. Today we will tackle the issue of resilience with respect to electricity grid. And we usually hear the doom and the gloom, but this episode is really about exploring the best solutions and cutting edge technologies for building resilience to climate change. And as you imagine, both Mark and Sarah, resilience is very important as we speak because we encounter these increasing severe weather events with customers relying on our grid. And this exchange is really supposed to give us a hint and to recognize not only the hard work of EDSO members or other players who are working there in order to ensure that our grid is reliable for our customers. I will give my impression, and this has amused me a lot, I hope you will not mind, because my perception of resilience comes completely unrelated to energy. It comes from a movie which marked our, my generation at least, it comes from the movie of Rocky Balboa, and it really captures very well, I would say, what is resilient. And when it says it's not about how hard you can hit, but how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. So I will leave the floor to you now and please feel free to share the concept of resilience according to your perception and what it means, the grid resilience in particular. I might jump in first, Sarah, since uh, Zaini brought up the uh, reference to this, the beginning of EPRI, I thought that that was very relevant, you know, in, in the Northeast blackout after that occurred and, and New York City didn't have electricity, the government in the U.S. said that the utilities in the U.S. have to get their act together and prevent events like this in the future. And if they couldn't do the research and, and develop the technologies to make the system more resilient, then they were going to put a tax on the utilities and they would do it for them. And so that's when EPRI got started. The utilities got together and said, no, we'll do it. We'll, we'll create an organization that will do the research and resilience will always be one of our focus areas, you know, and it always has been at EPRI. It's been reliability and resilience has been a, a key focus area, partly because of the way we started, but because it's critical to society. And, and as a nonprofit organization, we have a public benefit mission. We have advisors in the regulatory community and the policy community that is their job to make sure that we're doing our public benefit mission. And a lot of that revolves around resiliency, which only is increasing in, in importance. Yes, and I'll make one additional kind of human point as well. And I like the the Rocky reference. I like to think about resilience. I think a lot in terms of analogies, how can you relate these technical things or what we're trying to do to some everyday life activities? And I think about having a baby and going into having a new uh, child joining the home and you know it's going to be big changes. You have some idea of what people have dealt with in the past and what you might expect, but you don't know. You don't know what the biggest challenge is going to be? Is it going to be sleeping, eating? 
so you prepare for what you think is coming. You plan, plan as best you can. That might be your reliability aspect. You kind of take care of the average stuff, what you know is coming. And then you um, look at what are the other capabilities that I want to keep on hand? How do I be ready to flex and, and respond to things that I couldn't know ahead of time? So that's a really great quote. If you, you know, always plan around what you know is going to happen, that's awesome, but not real life. Very, very, very sound. Let me get you a bit busy here. So we are looking now at DSOs and particularly DSO into how electrification can support collective and equitable climate resilience in the clean, but also highly electrified energy future. So I'm really looking forward to picking your brains and dive into the ways clean technology, you mentioned that, Sarah, demand response, distributed solar, energy storage can strengthen the grid as frequent as climate change events create new threats. And I know that DSOs have been navigating through those changes, but indeed, as you very well know, their most basic mission remains the same, safe and affordable electricity. So what is your take on this? Well, I think that, you know, you mentioned electrification, and I think that the fact that that electrification is probably our key short-term strategy for decarbonization and really aggressively going after electrification of the, the transportation sector, but also residential and building heating sectors, means that resiliency of the grid, the electric system is increasing in importance that now you know, so much of our critical infrastructure will be electric. And that means that we resiliency of that infrastructure will be absolutely critical to society. So it's always been a focus and it's only uh, increasing in, in importance. And it's one of the things that Sarah and our value of resilience interest group tried to tackle is, you know, how, how does electrification of, of so much more of our energy system change the value of resilience? And does that mean that, that our decision making in terms of investment needs to change going forward? So I think you really hit on an important concept there is any. Coming back to what Sarah mentioned earlier about how much you can predict things. So we experienced COVID-19 pandemic and nobody ever predicted that. It came completely and find us completely unprepared, not only DSOs, but overall all people globally. And now we have the war in Ukraine. Expected or not expected, this is a political decision, but DSOs have proved somehow to keep the lights on and show resilience during these difficult times. Just wondering, and I'm addressing this question to both of you, do you think that DSOs hold the key to successful recovery after disaster, or there is something we have missed in here? I think that where Mark's last comment left off, the need to think about this type of planning, um, these challenges within partnerships is really important. So saying that DSOs are key, I think we kind of think that everybody who either is impacted by these threats or will be responding to these threats are key. And maybe that's one of the biggest challenges is that it is a difficult thing to plan for or make decisions about it in one isolation or standing in one place. And Mark, maybe you can speak a little bit more to how some of those other things come into play. Really, everybody's key. Now, I think there, there's a couple of important things. One is the fact that forecasting and really being able to predict events that could cause resiliency problems is only getting more and more difficult and uncertain. So that's an area where 
you know, we, we have to be prepared for things that we might have never thought of before. But I think that the importance of all the stakeholders being involved is, is also more critical than ever. You know, one of the themes of the next generation grid is decentralization, distributed resources, local generation, energy storage, electric vehicle charging infrastructure, and of course, electric vehicles are great storage device in and of themselves. It means we have to be much more creative in how we deal with resiliency and, and look at, at the kind of this overall system and be able to take advantage of that decentralized structure of, of the resources where they are and make them part of the resiliency solution. This makes the planning and optimization for resiliency way more difficult, but it has to be done. You know, we have to figure out how to make communities, local neighborhoods, and individual customers all part of the resiliency solution and the investment. We have a meeting going on right now, our research advisory council, and they're having a chat about how investments in the customer could be treated as capital investments by the utility. You know, if that's the best way to improve the resilience, you know, how are we going to allow the utility to help make those investments to make the grid more resilient? So I think we need to be creative with, with all the stakeholders that are involved. It's very important. Very glad you mentioned that, uh, Mark, about optimization forecasting. And this is also my next question. Extreme weather events are taking a toll on electricity grid, and we know that. And there is a process now of modeling climate change resilience. And I've heard from our asset managers at distribution level, they are responding with their plans of their own, taking structure, methodological approaches to implement resilience strategies. But there is a doubt there whether the operators lack accurate ways of measuring and quantifying the risk of extreme weather events. Do we have by any chance any study on this or how do you see this process? Well, we definitely, you know, we, we had a storm, Sandy, that impacted much of the eastern seaboard and especially the northeastern United States. And it exceeded all of our predictions of what flooding and uh, a storm could look like in terms of a storm surge affecting substations and the infrastructure. And after that event, we changed our guidelines for what a storm surge could look like. And that's one thing that we need to do is react and learn from events that do occur. But I think we have a challenge right now to look forward and really try to understand the impact of climate change and how that might change the game and be able to gather data and do a little bit better job of making predictions about what kind of events might happen in terms of temperatures, in terms of winds, in terms of storm surge, in terms of fire hazards. All those things are really important in terms of the impact on the grid infrastructure. So we have tools and it's one of the, we have an initiative that's to try to bring together the climate predictions and the climate experts to see if we can figure out how we can make better predictions about the impact on the grid. But there's no question question that our, our tools for evaluating investments are going to need to include uncertainty. And we, we call it stochastic methods of, of deciding on what investments make the most sense and, and using probabilities. But that those stochastic methods have to be based on stochastic predictions of what might be possible. And so we, we do need to work together with the climate folks and the data that's being gathered in terms of what the potential impacts are in the future. And we do need to look forward. Definitely. Sarah, do you want to add anything on this? 
I think one thing I would say, and this may be one of the most challenging pieces in terms of tools and in ways that you can think about this, assess, analyze, is that ability to assess customer behavior, partly because of a lack of data, but also, you know, understanding how are customers adopting electric technologies, adopting distributed energy resources, how are they planning or using them? And uh, one of the challenges in the resilience space, if you don't know, um, you know, we talk about a lack of certainty and what threats we may face. But on top of that, there's uncertainty in how people in businesses and societies, communities will experience and perceive those threats and then also how the responses are managed. And you can get interest inflection points and customer behavior where you may understand how they're going to look at things going into one event, but things change. So finding better ways to model and understand the very, again, human aspects of those grid edge things and, and dynamics, but then knowing that there's no way to do that perfectly even with physical systems, you know, there are always trade-offs, again, being able to have that connection with, with communities or with whoever it is that is going to be experiencing that risk or that outcome to have that partnership in place. And then when you have something totally unexpected, something that no tool could predict, again, you have a starting point to say, okay, well, what tool do we bring in? How do we start thinking about this? I'm glad. And actually, I found it quite fascinating, the human dimension you, you spotted here, because as DSOs, as our industry tend to forget and to put it in the equation about everything we do. So now we have to rethink and to, to change and to shift mentality about how to empower customers, how to use everything, but to make sense for the human beings. So it's definitely something really, really fascinating to mention here uh, when we talk about resilience. I want to step to the other questions I have prepared. It's about we are on a cusp of massive change and regardless of what predictions we are listening to, but everybody seems to agree on some fundamental things. And one of these common points is the increase of importance that electricity will play in the future and Mark mentioned it. But people are talking about increasing electrification and also new technologies in customer services. All these internet connected devices that are increasing so very rapidly now. And in your viewpoint, how the resilience component fits in all this? I think it's just another element that shows the increasing importance of resilience. But I also think that the concept of widespread distributed intelligence through IoT devices and sensors everywhere, that the same technologies that are going to be important for keeping our, our lives going are technologies that can help us have better visibility of what's happening in real time on the grid and in the energy system and help us manage those resources in an intelligent way that can help us with resilience so that we can take advantage of a parking lot full of electric cars that have tremendous storage or distributed storage in buildings and, and households. You know, I'm a big fan of, of the fact that as part of the flexibility requirement of the grid, we have to have storage everywhere and flexibility resources. We might as well use those resources as part of the resiliency solution as well and move them as much as possible out to the edge of the grid where, where they can help us with resilience while still providing the, 
the flexibility benefits that we need to integrate more renewables. So I'm hoping that the whole Internet of Things and the decentralization of the grid will give us more options for solving the resiliency problem as well. To get more practical, extreme weather events have already had an impact on the activities of services, electric grid operators, and on the economy side as well. What would be your suggestion about concrete steps that DSO company can take before the next wildfire or flood season? I'll start on that one as well. But uh, I think that in the short term, you know, we can't make investments that require two years of, of infrastructure development to solve a problem that could happen next year. So we need to be able to have some tricks in our belt that can help us with the short term. You know, California is a good example with the wildfires. You know, immediately implemented more monitoring and real-time awareness and being able to predict where fires are going to occur with more accuracy and even disconnect portions of the circuit that could be causes of wildfires and then have to do creative ways to help those customers have electricity when we have to disconnect them because they could be a source of wildfires. But we all have to look at monitoring and coordinated response. We can accelerate our ability to respond to events. Um, That's something that we can probably do faster than we can to prevent the impact completely in the first place. So both uh, situational awareness and coming up with strategies, including communities and the customers themselves as part of the response to events when they do occur so that we can minimize the impacts because we know there's going to be events. To both of you now, Sarah and Mark, any final message you would like to leave with our audience today? Or to phrase it differently, if you had to reimagine grid resilience, how would that be? I'll go first and we'll let, we'll let Sarah have the last word here. I, I think uh, the important thing to me is that instead of talking about grid resilience, that now we have to talk about energy system resilience, that really the energy system incorporates so many stakeholders and elements, distributed resources, the, the gas and electric system combined, transportation infrastructure combine our whole digitalization of the of not only the energy system but our our whole economy we can incorporate that into our resiliency solution so resiliency of our energy infrastructure would be the theme that i think is important that we think about great sarah do you want to leave us a final message about resilience in particular or grid resilience in general as you wish Yeah, in terms of grid resilience in particular, I'll drop back to people again and say that really key to success is starting with customers, communities, businesses to understand the value of energy-based services and set that foundation to begin working together to plan to adapt and respond to threats that we think may be coming and those that we cannot see coming. Just out of curiosity, do you have any study about how to connect the community and the business in terms of resilience? Yeah, absolutely. And partly because there are a number of organizations outside of the energy space that are practiced in dealing with responding to events and threats, and also some places in the world where they are practiced in dealing with threats and recovering from threats regularly. So a lot of people have been thinking about this and utilities as well for a long time and an opportunity to just start connecting those dots and bringing what we have to share in the utility industry responding to events and preparing for events and sharing all of that. 
Excellent. Okay, Mark and Sarah, it has been an absolute pleasure to have exchange with you on this exciting topic. Hope to see you around for other future commitments on resilience. Wish you an excellent day and thank you for the audience who are listening to us. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. -bye. Bye, -bye.